This episode brought to you by patrons Kevin O'Brien and Clint Chesney. Thanks so much for supporting the show, guys. Yes, that means we have a Patreon page. You can check us out at www.patreon.com slash podcast. Support the show if you're a big-time fan, big-time listener. If this is your first time listening to the show, check us out. If you dig it, maybe consider being a patron. This episode was recorded way back in October of 2018 with uh, co-host Andrew Schrader. This is an episode with a directing duo, Jack and Justin, based out of Los Angeles. Um, it was a really, really fun conversation. I'm sorry that I had to keep it on ice for so long, but just based on the way that we're rolling out co-hosts, it just worked out this way. So, without further ado, here is episode 193 of Making Movies is Hard. Thanks so much, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggles of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Andrew Schrader. And I'm Ulrich Brissell. Ulrich, uh, I think this is like our third <laughs> episode together. Third episode. Oh, yeah, baby. How are you Love feeling it. about it? Feeling great, man. Um, Katie Johnson, your first guest, or our first guest, I should say, was fantastic. Um, and I think we had a really great solo episode also. So, yeah, I'm really excited for today's big show, which is going to be a ton of fun. Cool. Yeah, I feel the same. Uh, well, let's go ahead and welcome uh, Jack and Justin to the show. Uh, this is our quick bio. Jack and Justin are is a Los Angeles-based directing duo known for their dark offbeat comedy and captivating visual style. They recently directed the entire first season of IFC's new horror comedy, Stand Against Evil, created by Dana Gould and starring John C. McGinley and Janet Varney. They directed two episodes of History Channel's Emmy Award-nominated series, The Crossroads of History, and have written and directed shorts and music videos for Funny or Die, Comedy Central, Adult Swim, and Awesomeness TV, as well as commercials for Geico, Atari, NASCAR, Bic Razors, Tic Tac Mints, Off, Bug Spray, and Red's Apple Ale. Their work has been featured on Comedy Central's At Midnight, Good Morning America, and ESPN, as well as in numerous public showcases, including the Oddball Comedy Festival 2014 and LA's monthly comedy event, The Super Serious Show. Their internet short, Dennis Quaid's Onset Freakout, won the 2016 Webby Award for Best Comedy Short and was featured on Jimmy Kimmel Live, and they are represented by United Talent Agency and Principato Young Entertainment. They currently work as freelance directors, writers, and editors. So, when I was living up north, before I moved uh, back down to L.A., Jordan, my writing partner, was telling me about these horror directors that he was hanging out with and I needed to meet. And when I moved back to L.A. like a year and a half ago, I started hanging out with Jack and Justin. And uh, I just want to say to you guys, like, uh, you guys are really cool people, and I'm a big fan of your work. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Uh Thanks for having us. Thanks, Andrew. We love you, too. Yeah. Very nice words. Little correction. It technically Principato Young Entertainment is is now called Artist First Entertainment. Yeah. That's a very recent change. Yeah. Which is controversial because it's kind of like the Sears Tower changing their name to Willis Tower. Will it forever right. be known as Sears or can we embrace the new name? <laughs> I can speak for, I was just in Chicago and multiple people there, including the tour guide for the architectural tour, said that it will always be the Sears Tower to them. Amen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
I have to just say really quick, that's probably the best and most uh, well-written bio that anyone's ever given on the show in, you know, 170 episodes. So congratulations, Andrew. That was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't write it, but I'll take credit for it. Oh, oh, you didn't write it? Okay. I I just assumed you wrote wrote it. (laughs) No, that's from their their website. Oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah, Yeah, we should also get credit for writing that amazing bio. (laughs) Oh, just add it to the list of uh, achievements. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, we're good bio writers. So, but before we get into um, the questions and all the, the work and all the great stuff, I just want to know from each of you if you guys can just give me like uh, or give us all a quick one minute bio on like your background, how you got started in filmmaking, and, and all that good stuff. So I don't know if Jack or Justin, which one of you guys want to start I first? Think per our per our name, Jack should start first. Sure, sure. Uh, I'm originally from Little Rock, Arkansas. And I met Justin in Chicago because I moved there to go to film school. Um, We both went to Columbia College of Chicago. Uh, And so that was kind of how I made it out there and how uh, sort of the beginnings of the Jack and Justin story. So Justin, I guess you can throw down your bio. Yeah, pretty much same thing Jack said. Um, I started before film school when I was a kid, kind of just picking up my parents' camera and filming myself acting like an idiot and then loosely kind of over time started realizing uh, what story was and uh, (laughs) trying to tell a story with it and turn my high school um, writing assignments into scripts and getting the teachers to allow me to film little segments for them or short films and screen them in class. So um pretty much how I developed an interest in it. Plus, my both my parents are big uh, movie fans, um, and we would have movie nights every Friday, every weekend, and kind of developed my love for movies that way. And pretty much that's how I ended up in film school. And you're from Chicago. And I'm from Chicago, yes, from the Sears Tower. nice perfect yeah we met we met there in um the directing program at columbia college chicago um we initially just were kind of helping each other on our various individual projects we both thought that the other was good uh at acting and so we we would cast each other and then sort of simultaneously um kind of help each other produce uh, these videos for um, class projects. And uh, then eventually we kind of both mutually felt like there wasn't enough to do in the curriculum that we kind of wanted to make a lot more uh, films outside of what we were required to do in class. Um, And Justin had a camera. And so we would often on the weekends just make our own little short films and they were usually comedic um but we also shared sort of a passion with uh, a, a shared passion of horror movies we would watch a lot of horror movies together and um we that was kind of where the horror comedy started to come into play it was very early on in our short comedy videos they would they would oftentimes kind of take a turn for the for the horror uh, and eventually we kind of just realized that we were directing these things together. We weren't really putting a, a, a label on it when we were doing them, but we kind of in hindsight realized like, oh, we're sort of co-directing these things. And so as we graduated, 
from film school, we kind of came to the realization that we liked our process of working together and um, we, we were like, let's just be a, a duo. Let's, let's be like a, a Coen brothers or uh, there weren't at that time, we weren't familiar with a lot of like, you know, the Daniels, um, the, uh, the sort of more popular directing duos. Now it was basically just like brothers. It was like the, the Hughes brothers and the Coen brothers. Um, I guess like Powell and Pressburger, but that we were sort of like, let's, let's do that. Um, and that was kind of the beginnings of our, of our beautiful story. relationship. Yeah. And yeah, we, we've been out, uh, we've, we stayed in Chicago for about a year after we graduated. Uh, but we, we realized pretty quickly after graduating that we probably needed to come to Los Angeles just because at that time, there wasn't a ton of film work happening in Chicago. There was obviously like the Dark Knight and stuff like that, but we uh, we weren't obviously going to get anywhere near that kind of stuff. And so um, <laughs> right. we realized it was just going to be more opportunity for up-and-coming filmmakers um, in Los Angeles. And things have kind of changed since then uh, in terms of Chicago's film scene. Um but I think we made the right move, and uh, yeah, we did that. We've been out in Los Angeles for since 2011, so about seven going on eight years. Awesome. And did you guys start at Funny or Die? No, uh, it wasn't too long, but we came. We moved out to Los Angeles. We shot a pilot for a TV show in Chicago. We did like a Kickstarter, raised money. Uh, I think it was a... Justin, was it a twenty thousand dollar budget total? Um, I think it was closer to fifteen, but we raised yeah. ten thousand on Kickstarter. I yeah, think. ten thousand on Kickstarter, and then um, after that, we sort of once we got that, we were like, "Sweet, let's get this going." And we got a producer involved, and the producer was basically like, "You know, what you have in this script is going to require a little bit more," and so we. Because it was a monster, it had a monster, it was very, it was sort of a Tales from the Crypt, it was going to be like our, a pilot for our version of a Tales from the Crypt, sort of an anthology horror comedy series, um, uh, and it involved sort of a monster with heavy prosthetic makeup, and so we realized we needed to raise a little bit more money, and so we did some off uh, Kickstarter style, you know, fundraising. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, got around like $15,000 shot that. Then that was going to be the thing that we came to LA with that we were going to move to LA with this fully shot pilot that we were going to go pitch around. And it also time, was like the biggest thing that we had shot at that point, just to have to move to LA, actually having some experience filming something that was more than one day or more than just, um, us with a camera on a weekend was uh, probably the more valuable experience than the actual product. Yeah, the the actual product literally no 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 so few people have seen. We ended up not uh, actually showing it. We didn't end up doing the pitching process because we didn't even know what the pitching process would be like or even how to begin with that. So when we moved out to LA, um, we had this thing, but we didn't really even know who to show it to or how that worked, and we ended up kind of just getting work outside of it i think too um, while we were uh, while we were um settling into los angeles and trying to make a living and uh, pay rent we started 
shooting stuff again and we found that the stuff that we were shooting for a fraction of the amount of money was better than this thing that we had put together in right. Chicago. Oh. We were so fresh out of film school that we were still learning and everything that we were making was an opportunity to grow and get better. So even though it was um, a big production that we put a lot of money and resources into, uh, we learned a lot from it. And then the, the smaller things that we did after that started to... Um, overwrite in our minds uh the the film and we were like why why, how much more time and energy do we want to spend pitching this around when everything that we're making moving forward is just so much better than this (laughs) so so did you just not show it to people you just shelved it basically we we showed it to friends and we showed it but we never showed it to anybody of any importance because by the time we started actually like meeting people who were in the industry and uh, who could actually do anything. We had, like Justin said, we had already made things that we personally felt had surpassed the pilot. So we, yeah, wow. by the time we met those people, we had no interest in showing them the pilot. We had other things we'd prefer to show them um, that were literally these like short, you know, videos that were intended for YouTube. But to us, they were more in line with what we wanted to do. They had better quality all around. Um, and the quality of the pilot wasn't bad by any means, but we just kept advancing in our style and uh, our our sort of tastes kept developing beyond that. And so it's it's sort of one of those things where, you know, if you wait, if you make something, you kind of need to get it out there as quickly as possible, at least for us, because we'll, we'll inevitably lose interest as we move on to the next thing and we'll we'll want to show people what we're doing next more than we'll want to show people what we did a year ago nice well really quickly so a thing i hear a lot on on this podcast and on other podcasts i listen to is like people always asking well i want to move to los angeles um I, i have some work but like, how do I get started? Like, how do I meet people? Like, how do I get in the room with those first people to show them the stuff that, I, that I'm making or, or whatever? So I know it's different for everybody, but I just want to hear like one little story from you guys about like a way that you got to make your some of your first connections in Los Angeles. We didn't really get into a room for years. Uh, we relied on the network from our film school. Uh, both in terms of friends who had actually moved out to LA from Chicago and um, from an actual like job board that we were checking on Facebook basically for opportunities. Um, but it wasn't really until Funny or Die that we were even remotely in a position to start going into rooms and meetings. Uh, it was the, the Dennis Quaid video that prompted someone from WME, I think, to reach out to us. And that kind of just started the ball rolling of having representation. Um, but yeah, leading, leading up to Funny or Die, I mean, I think, I think my advice to people would be to literally take any opportunity you can because I think, like Justin was saying, Funny or Die was the, definitely where it all started to happen. But the road to us getting to Funny or Die was literally like I think you could trace it back to a Craigslist ad, basically that way, or it, it may have been oh, that, wow. that 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 um, student forum that Justin was talking about, where basically it was just a, it was like a Craigslist. It was a place where just really low, small scale opportunities would sort of pop up, and uh, we answered. There was a guy who had written a book, 
and he wanted to do a promo video for his book and we that was like right when we moved out here we had no other things going on we were both uh working waiting tables jobs and bartending jobs and so we were kind of just willing to take whatever film related thing uh was available and that popped up we took it we made this promo video with this stranger um and through that we met somebody that then was doing a web series and so we helped them make a web series and then within that web series we met an actor who we really liked um and he had a connection to funny or die and so he was oh, wow. able to um to sort of be the middleman of like, hey, I know a guy who who is working at Funny or Die and he's looking for some new blood. And at that point we had made a lot of content ourselves. And so we sort of whipped up a reel, very cool. Like within a day, we whipped up a reel of everything that we had done and we had him send our reel to the guy that he knew at Funny or Die. And that basically was what got us in there that the 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 guy ended up being the head writer there and he was looking for new blood and he just kind of liked our style of comedy i think it was different from the other directors and writers that they had on staff at the time um we put a lot of uh, emphasis on uh lighting and production value to kind of give it as a cinematic look even when we don't have a lot of resources um so he kind of felt like we would be good with working with the lower budgets of, of Funny or Die to make it feel like um, they were actually bigger endeavors than they actually were. But that literally all started from just answering an ad that um, for for a, a little promo video for a book that I don't even know if ever came out, you know what I mean? So I think um, you're it'll happen if you just kind of go with any opportunity that comes to you. I think especially when you first come out here and you're first getting started, just like don't look at anything as a waste of time. It might end up being a waste of time, but it might be this, you know, the first step in the path towards your career. Like I, we would have never guessed that that, um, that little job, that very first job we took when we came out here would be what got us, to where we are now. And I think uh, there's also something to be said for those are kind of rare and far between, uh, few and far between. But we also created so many opportunities for ourselves just by basically using all of the money that we made from working at bars and restaurants uh, to, to fund our own little shorts over the weekend. So we were always writing and always mm -hmm. shooting because we loved it and enjoyed doing it. And yeah, when the, when the opportunity came to make a reel, when the, cause we basically, we had the connection, we had to, uh, we could get a meeting with this guy at funny or die, but he was basically like, do you have a reel? And we didn't, but we had a ton of work that we had a ton of videos that we had made ourselves that we were able to cut a reel that, you know, it all had our faces in it. It didn't have any big actors, <laughs> right. Right. but it had a lot of variety and it showed the skill that we had at the time. Um, and so, yeah, it's like, even if you're not getting work 
make your own work. Yeah. Uh, keep 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 building your own body of work so that you have something to show for when the opportunity does arise. Right, because it also shows that you're filmmakers and that you're not just you know waiting for someone to give you a break and waiting right. for someone to you know pack, give you the magic wand or whatever that opens up Hollywood for you. You know, you're just doing it because you love it. You know, and that's what you do. Um, exactly. I think that's really important. Uh, Andrew, do you want to like jump to current times and then go back again, or what are you what are you feeling? What are you interested in hearing about? Well, I just wanted to say you know, tell you guys also like if we're just talking about current stuff that I watched The Hug when it came out like oh, nice. was it a week or two ago? It was great. And actually, Jordan had told me about the concept. I don't know, like a month before maybe, and I was like, oh, that's really simple and cool, you know. And that's just something that when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is so perfect it's just simple short and it looks great um how did that come about and like i think was it you you both produced too so did you guys produce that and it was financed by was it fox and released by hulu or how did that work yeah it's technically fox digital um i don't really know what defines them as fox digital uh in terms of like what they've created but they're just a smaller branch of fox that specializes in digital content uh and somebody who was working there saw a short horror film that we did through awesomeness tv a few years ago uh, that was part of a collection called sleep tight and they really liked that short film and they called us in basically to pitch a bunch of short horror film ideas, very little context. They didn't tell us why or what it was for. They were just like, pitch us short, like minute long ideas. And uh, they bought an idea from us that later became The Road, uh, which came out last year. And uh, we can talk about that a little bit if you want. But, but basically, they enjoyed working with us and liked the short film. So this year, they called us back and they were partnering with Hulu for something called Huluween. Uh, which was basically uh, another series of uh, short horror films, part of uh, an anthology that Hulu has already started releasing on their platform and uh, pairing up with horror movies at Beyond Fest. Um, I think there's other plans for it, maybe with some stuff on TV, Jack. I don't. I'm not really sure. But... Yeah, it's it's kind of one of those things where, like, you know, we we jumped on the opportunity to. To be able to make short horror films that we created and that, you know, they, they give you a lot of control, but the sort of the trade-off is that you don't know really know what they're going to do with it. They're, they, they're never very open about it. Um, and so, like Justin was saying, when we did it the first time with them, you know, we were told to just make a short horror film. Uh, and so we did, and then that short horror film turned out to kind of be like a commercial <laughs> that is... It's been cool. It's aired on te- television a couple of times, but when we made it, we had no clue that it was going to be that. Um, and so the same thing with this one. Like we had a little more context for the hug. Uh, they told us it was going to be in, that Hulu was going to be involved and that it was going to be part of a little film festival. Um, but it does seem like there's more. Go- like we weren't told until just recently that it was going to have anything to do with beyond fest which again cool but we just didn't know that that was going to be the case and yeah i wouldn't be surprised if they had more um more surprises with what it's going to be involved with uh 
in the future. Actually, like eight years into our LA career, and it's definitely been one of the more like cliche Hollywood experiences of just walking into a very sterile boardroom with a bunch of people staring at you, waiting to hear what you have to sell. And you feel like a used car salesman and you're just like, well, <laughs> if you like the road, you'll love the hug. It's a very gripping story about an <laughs> animatronic bear at a Chuck E. Cheese. Do you guys know what a Chuck E. Cheese is? It's like everybody just staring at you with blank, <laughs> blank faces and you have to like stay animated. And uh, it's great being there with Jack because we can bounce off each other. We can zone out the room. It just a vignette closes in, tunnel vision. I pretty much black out and just look <laughs> at Jack and just try to like find a way to entertain each other with the with the pitch. Um, but yeah, you don't. It's not often that you don't get much feedback from someone in the room. Usually, they've been pretty good. They like laugh at the appropriate places. They cry at the appropriate places. But you get some sort of visual cue that you're doing a a good job, or or the pitch isn't working. And to to do five pitches in a row and get very little feedback can be a pretty terrifying thing. But uh, but it's also pretty rare. Yeah, it it sounds like a cliche thing, and I guess maybe we'll find that it is but I, in the in the years that we've been able to like get into rooms and pitch it's usually a pretty conversational comfortable environment in which people are fairly reactive to it whether they truly like the idea or not they're usually pretty human about it uh, yeah this was sort of the first time that we were literally just sitting in front of a table of people just kind of staring at us um, <laughs> but they bought the idea though, right? They did. And that was the thing. <laughs> both, both times that we did it, it was a similar experience both times. And uh, we, we walked out going like, well, that probably didn't work. Um, but then, yeah, they, a few weeks later, we would get the call saying that they're, they want to do one. So the short that they saw originally that, they, that made them want you to pitch the road in the beginning, I can't remember the name of it right now. Um, sleep tight. Sleep tight. Uh, how did that come about? Was that just something that you guys made for yourself, or was that another project that you had had pitched and and got produced through another company? Or no, there's a guy named Jason Perlman, uh, who's a close friend of ours, also a great director, and he was uh, uh, running basically all the horror stuff at Awesomeness TV. He was their horror person. He did branched out. Uh, beyond that but he had a strong passion for horror and basically created this anthology called Sleep Tight as an opportunity for him to create some of his own short horror films and to work with other people like me and Jack that he recruited um, to get he had together. Seen, yeah. He had seen some of our when we were at Funny or Die um, any chance we had to do a horror thing we would jump on it and try to do something really cool and so every halloween we would do we would write something and pitch it and they generally let us make it um and so we had a handful of horror comedy videos that we had made at funny or die and i think he had seen those and and we had had we'd talked to him and about our love for horror and so he knew that we were we were up that alley and so that was kind of how we got involved with that series uh and we ended up doing two episodes of it one of which was written by somebody else that we did and then after we did that one they asked us to write 
and shoot and direct another one. And that was so, the cool. Exorciter? Yeah, the Exorciter was the, yeah, that was the one that we wrote and directed. Yeah, that's a fun one. And the casting is great, too. I like the, um, the friend who's in uh, that show, Foursome. Yeah, Ricky Thompson. He's great. Yeah, he's great. He's a superstar. Yeah. Um, yeah, working with uh, Awesomeness was actually the beginning of us also starting to uh, produce our stuff more formally. Like, obviously, we've always made our stuff, so technically uh, uh, that was producing in a sense, but to actually get a budget from a studio and be told, do what you want with it, spend it how you want. That was very scary, but also really rewarding and, and satisfying to not have to go through someone else to approve every single thing, but then also a lot more um, not fun stuff like logistics of uh, renting a truck and picking it up and learning how to drive a five-ton truck. Uh, but... But that was also a benefit of working at Funnier Dies. We got to, it's so, um, it's so small scale and uh, everybody's kind of working in the same room as each other. So even though we had producers for all of those projects, uh, we got to observe it from a very close range and ask a lot of questions. And so by the time we had opportunities to produce ourselves, um, it was a much less scary thing because we were like okay i think we have a pretty good sense with these with this kind of budget and um with this it was similar to the scale of things we were shooting at funny or die we were like you know if we we've been around it enough that we can figure out how to do it and then now we've had a chance to do it um quite a bit and so it's, it's a little second nature now it's interesting if i look at the path that you took compared to i guess the path that maybe jordan and i took is I think the producing is what really burned us out because we were unlike you guys who actually like went to work in the industry. I mean, we, we've both been working in the industry for a while, but not as directors. I mean, what we've done is super indie. So we were always producing our features and truthfully, like, I think it really burned us out. So, um, like looking back on it, taking the path that, that you both did, um, you know, I, I've thought, I try not to like have regrets or anything, but part of me is like, you know, I kind of wish we had done a more traditional or not traditional, but a different path of sticking with short form content first, because truthfully, like it's tough to get the motivation to be like, what do I, you know, if we, I can't, we're basically we're at the point where like, I don't want to do another indie feature unless, you know, we really have the money and they got somebody else producing it. Cause I just can't do it anymore. I think there's something to be said in this day and age, especially with uh, the rise of digital technology, cameras getting cheaper and more affordable, and you, uh, YouTube and editing software being s so affordable, easy to use, um, everybody kind of wears every hat now, and there's an overwhelming pressure to feel like you do have to do everything, and I think that is valuable, a valuable skill to have and good to learn. There's really not an excuse anymore not to be able to, if you're an actor, like, there's not an excuse not to write your own stuff, not to get a camera, not to go out and film it. You don't have to wait for an audition anymore. Um, but at the same time, there are specialties. Like, if you're an actor, you want to just focus on acting. If you're a writer, you just want to focus on writing. If you're a director, Jack and I really want to focus on directing. And it, it, it's hard when we do have to wear all these other hats. And we get good at it, and we get better and better. But 
ultimately we're directors and that's our focus and our passion and um you know it, you you want to avoid the thing that you were talking about where you get burnout for something that you don't even really want to necessarily be a part of in the first place i mean after making the second feature it was like very clear that i am not going to do these i'm just not going to do certain jobs <laughs> like leave right. that for other people uh just not going to do it and you know i've focused I mean, what I'm passionate about is writing, so that's that's what I focus on. Mm-hmm. I love directing too. I mean, there's nothing more fun than being on a set. But if I was going to pick, you know, my day to day life is writing. So yeah, right. the, the power of no is is also underrated. We everybody yes. tells us to um, say yes to everything and take every opportunity that comes your way. But sometimes you have to trust your gut, and you're better off not doing a certain project than you are by doing it. I agree. Right. And, and yeah, we go ahead, Jack. I was just going to say I can I totally see what you're saying because uh, we haven't we haven't produced a feature film. Um we've been f- fortunate to have a lot of opportunities to produce short form content, but e- each and every one of those is exhausting when you do have to produce it as well as direct it. Um and so I can only imagine the the exhaustion that would come with a feature version of having to produce it and um yeah with all the all the stuff that comes along with it i could i could imagine the burnout hitting a lot harder than you know when you have a rough you know short film that you're producing um so it's interesting to hear yeah i mean i think it's all super valuable and i don't regret anything really um i mean the experiences were always great i think just the way that we went about it having when just straight out of college making a feature not really having the connections right away doing and and really it taking over your lifestyle because it becomes a lifestyle i think for us and we really lived that broke indie filmmaker thing for a good four or five years and by the end i was like i just yeah i mean it was like no more just can't do it can you imagine being Mel Gibson and r- writing, starring, and producing? Uh, or sorry, not writing. Direct. I meant to say directing, starring, and and <laughs> producing Braveheart. Did he not write it? I don't I think he remember. wrote it. No, it just, Randall it, Wallace wrote it. Yeah, but he has all the people behind him. You know, uh, he's got the huge crew, the huge team. You know, it's not right. like he's doing it indie style. That's true. That's <laughs> if he true. did it indie style, then I would be like, oh, no, I'm shit. pretty sure Mel Gibson did a Kickstarter. Was it an Indiegogo? I think I it was, think an, it was Indiegogo. an Indiegogo. Yeah. yeah, that's right. It sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of people have different paths in terms of like what the, I think most um, filmmakers are obviously working towards making feature films. And there's sort of the, you know, do it all yourself indie versions where you just, where you kind of start making features that way and then there's obviously like the commercial route where it's like as you're working towards making uh feature films you're doing commercials and then there's the music video route um that's like the day-to-day work of of getting uh, creative and i think we have been fortunate that we've been able to consistently get short form work and that that i think is a lot to do with the fact that we were doing that before we were getting paid to do it. That was the way we just kept the juices flowing is like, let's do it. We haven't done anything in a couple of weeks. Let's make a short of some sort. Uh, and then obviously our work at in time at funny or die has, um, cemented us in the industry as people who are capable of doing short form stuff. And so that's kind of been our 
way to continuously make money and keep uh, our creative juices flowing is that we we are fortunate to be able to get offers to make short films in one capacity or another um, while we pursue the ultimate goal of of becoming feature yeah but but you guys are also did a series already so doesn't that like kind of elevate you guys like to that feature category if you've done 12 episodes of of a series you know in my mind that that's what that's (laughs) how i see it from my perspective i'm like you know these guys look what they handled that's that's pretty impressive it definitely helps it it um i mean from an experience standpoint it was actually eight episodes, but if you add all those pages together, it was like close to 240 pages oh, in wow. 24 days. Uh, so definitely more grueling than a feature. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. like we, we can't wait to shoot an actual feature where we're only dealing with like 90, you know, 90 to 120 pages for, you know, a 20 to 24 day shoot. That for us feels like um, a dream and a, a, a much easier thing to accomplish than what we had to do for the tv show and i think yeah for us we feel totally prepared for it it was definitely like a crash course in this is what it would be like to to make a a very low budget feature but i think just you know how the industry is it's like uh if because it is not a movie i don't think people who are making movies necessarily look at the the season of what we've done and say these guys can make a movie it's sort of the same thing it's like you can make a a a ton of amazing short films and not necessarily get any work in commercials because they're not commercials which is kind of what we've found is like you have to you have to do it first that exact specific thing before somebody will give you an opportunity to do the real version of it and so i would think that andrew you would be more likely to get a a a feature somebody allow you to direct a feature because you've done a feature already um over us because we just by the fact that we haven't actually directed a feature uh it's kind of weird because you can compare the two things and say well you guys have because you've done you know eight episodes of a tv series but for whatever reason there's just uh, the industry doesn't look at it that way, which is unfortunate, but, um, it did, it did certainly help us. Like it it gives us some credibility for sure. Um, but yeah. And it's like a name actor, you know, in the lead role and it's a show I've like, I've heard of the show independently of you guys, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's like, it's definitely, I think a pretty big thing to have on your resume, you know, for the, for the listeners, we're talking about Stan versus evil, just so. Just so they know. Stan yeah. against evil. Or Stan yeah. against evil, yeah. yes. Easy mistake. A lot of people make that one. So I guess this is a good time just to talk about how that came about. Like, was that just through your agents and managers, like after you've been at Funny or Die? Or is there like another special story to how this show came about? Yeah, it was uh, after we did the Dennis Quaid video at Funny or Die, we got management uh, and agents from it. And then about a year, maybe a little less than a year after we got um, agents and managers, uh, we got standing the script for Stand Against Evil. So we, what, the second we started getting, the second we got our agents, we started getting scripts for various things, movies and TV show pilots and stuff like that. And that one came through. Um, the pilot for Stand Against Evil came through. We um, 
we liked it. It was it was up our alley, and so we met with the showrunner Dana Gould and the producers at Radical Media. Um, and there were definitely, you know, they were they were looking at some bigger directors um, who had done feature films before and had done certainly more television that we had done. We hadn't really done television at that point. We had done those History Channel shows, but that was kind of a weirder situation where it wasn't, it did end up being a television show, but it kind of wasn't when we started shooting it. Um, but uh, basically we got that one just by pure like enthusiasm and charisma for the project. Obviously we had done a lot at Funnier Die, so we had a lot of things to show for and we had worked with various celebrities there and the Dennis Quaid video was something that they had seen and knew about and I think that was a big uh, draw to them and the fact that we had done a lot of horror videos at Funny or Die that we could show them saying like we get the tone of this look at what we've done uh, but I think most of all it was it was like we were really gunning for it I think our our agents basically said like you know the way you're gonna get this show is if you just like kind of blow them away with how um, uh, excited you are about it and how much you're willing to put into it. And We made a, treat, a visual treatment as well, too. We put together a document with visual references, inspiration. We photoshopped uh, some of the monsters from the script. We made comps of we what we imagined. We made a storyboard. So Yeah, um, so we just went as hard as we could in terms of like, you know, knowing like, hey, we don't have, we've never done a TV show before, uh, much less an entire season of a, of a show, which is something they knew when we went in and interviewed for it. They were like, we want uh, one director to do the whole series, um, kind of purely from a budgetary standpoint, because they were going to block shoot it. Um, and so uh, they, uh, we knew we had a lot to prove. And so we basically just pulled out every trick we could in order to show like, hey, we're, we're gonna come prepared and we're gonna be really enthusiastic about it and we're gonna uh, work harder than anybody else. And I think that's basically what got us the job because I th they, it was a kind of a, a, a ridiculous timeline in terms of what they wanted to do as far as the budget of the show with how quickly they wanted to shoot it. I mean, it was like 10 page days every single day. Um, and I think my, from what we've heard since we got the job is that, you know, all the other people that they went out to first who had done features and who had done other television were kind of really skeptical of the timeline and were I think they got laughed at a lot in terms of like, no, you can't do that. And we were basically oh, yeah. the only people that they talked to. Who were because, stupid enough. <laughs> yeah, who were green <laughs> enough to be like, sweet, sounds good. We do that all the time. Um, and uh, I funny. think that was a big, a big factor in us yeah. doing it. Three days per episode. But did that hurt you guys in the production? I mean, because it sounds like the whole thing got shot, right? Like there was no disaster or anything. There was no, no disaster. No it disaster, hurt. Yeah. It hurt. I mean, it was hard. It was um, a marathon. It was grueling. Right. Emotionally and physically. I wandered yeah. in the desert for like months afterwards trying to find my spirit again. <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah, it was wow. definitely like... Um, I mean, there was, there was a combination of things that made it more emotionally grueling than it needed to be uh, we ended up doing uh half of the second season as well and that was a much easier experience because we knew the monster that we were sort of dealing with and i think 
obviously part of that whole first season being so difficult was the timeline and the schedule and the budget just having to do so much every day and every day there was a new monster that we had to have a fight scene with and that we had to blow up or kill in some extravagant way and we, we you know we had like 30 minutes to do it um and so that in and of itself was hard but i think there was another factor of us not really understanding the tv model and because we were doing the entire first season of it um you know we felt it really felt like we were the directors of a movie and uh we were very involved in the pre-production of it we helped the showrunner rewrite certain scenes um we helped create the look of the obviously the show but even of the monsters and um it felt like we were very much the the spearheading the the vision and the direction of the show and then when it was all when production was wrapped and it went into post-production it became much more of a traditional tv model where it's like okay now you guys will have two days to do your director's cuts and then you'll it'll go to the showrunner and he'll do his director's cuts and the and like you we won't talk to you guys anymore which is oh, normal wow. that's that's pretty normal yeah. for television but because we'd never done it before and because we were doing the whole show you know we were thinking more along the lines that we were like you know fincher doing house of cards or something we thought <laughs> right, we had much right. more control than anyone was actually willing to give us and so that was a little bit of an emotional hurdle that we had to to get over that by season two we knew the game and right. we we were like oh, okay so it's like now that we know we we're we're not expecting to be involved in this from beginning to end you know we're we are just going to come in and shoot this thing uh the way it needs to be shot and put as much care and attention in it that uh, we know it needs but not expect to be able to like see it completely through like you would if you were doing a feature or you know your own sort of personal project wow which is kind of a blessing in a sense i mean not at the for maybe sure. it didn't feel like it but like for me where it was because we had no one to answer to except like our schedule or whatever and we got so emotionally involved that you know it, it really i i almost i don't really want to go back there <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you, you like the idea of being able to hand it off to an executive producer or a showrunner and be like, yeah, okay, you guys finish it up. I'll, I'm, I'm going to go do something else. Well, it's funny. I'm, I'm going like, to write my book now. <laughs> yeah, well, like Jack and, and Justin, you guys, you, know, you ultimately you say you, you want to do features. And I think Jordan and I are like, dude, we want to do a series. Like, let's just switch places. Let's just buy, let's just swap. I mean, I'd be down because it's, it's a whole other world that we just haven't been in. And yeah, we don't have the the same sort of hangups about it that you have from your experience uh, and vice versa. And so it's like, uh, I, I would, I would love to be in a position in which we had a feature under our belt to be able to go in with uh, another feature and say, let us make this because we've already made one, you know? Right. One of the other uh, things I was going to say about uh, our schedule with the show, uh, a little, a little, life hack uh something that we did to make it easier for us to make our days was uh, using our weekends to film some of the action scenes with our camera it would be me jack and the dp and we would all kind of act in the video and shot for shot replicate what we were about to do the next week and then go back home edit it really quickly together and have like a fully cut scene with music sound effects that we 
didn't need to do, but we added for fun just to make it come alive a little bit more. Uh, and these would be things that we would end up just when we were really down to the wire and didn't have any time left in the day, we would just get the shots that we knew that we needed from having cut it together and not any other shots, like literally just, okay, do this, do that and pick up a small piece and then move forward, pick up another piece, knowing that we just proved that this edit works. There's technically not another reason to get any additional coverage. It's not an ideal way to shoot at all, but when right. you don't really have any other options, it's nice to have that as a tool to use and to also show uh, the showrunner or the talent so people kind of have more confidence in what you're trying to do. You know? Yeah, I think it really it really helped when it came to the actors. Um, like John C. McGinley is, is a a very particular breed of actor who he doesn't want a lot of direction as far as emotion or how to, to deliver things. You know, he kind of just wants you to tell him where to stand and then he's going to kind of go with it, which, you know, every actor is different. And we we learned very quickly that that was the way he was. But when it came to these intense action sequences that involved a lot of coverage and a lot of specific action, um, and we only had literally at times we only had 30 minutes to do like we would pull off action sequences in under an hour uh, oh, wow. that involved Holy tons Lord. of shots uh, as well as like stunts and special effects on the day. Uh, we would be able to go up to somebody like John and show him what we had shot over the weekend and cut together. And he would be like, cool, just tell me what to do. Just bark it at me. And like, I, he understood how much time we had. He saw what we had done. He saw what we were going for and what we were going to do with the shots. And it gave him and the other actors a sense of trust to just like, okay, we can speed through this because they know what they're getting. And they, uh, we just want to satisfy that. And so when we would shoot those scenes, that was like sort of the one time when we could literally be like, turn your head, say this line, say it like this, cool, uh, run over here. And that's kind of the way we were wow. doing it. We were having to go that fast. Um, but it, it, that was the only way we would be able to pull off these kind of sequences in the amount of time that we had. Uh, so it was, it was very helpful. I heard that's how Fincher directs too. He just screams uh, directions <laughs> oh, yeah. out while he's rowing. <laughs> it's that definitely the way uh, uh, Lynch directs <laughs> oh yeah great now uh stand over there <laughs> only he has a bullhorn <laughs> yeah. in his like uh, he'll be he'll be five <laughs> feet away from the actors of the bullhorn. laura you're doing great <laughs> <laughs> um so i have the, the last question i want to ask about uh stand against evil is why didn't you guys do the whole second season and why did you move on to, to do other things there is no there's no break in between the blocks. So the show is split up into two blocks of four episodes and you everybody preps and focuses on the first four, but then when it comes time to switch over to the, the second block, if there's not another director and A D in place to, to think about that, you have less than a week to get ready for Whoa. that second block. If not Holy maybe moly. even like three days or something. At, yeah, at one see, point. season one, the second half of the season as terms of like pre-production and prep got really neglected because everybody focused so much on the first half of it that it ended up consuming everybody. And so by the time we finished shooting the first half of it, you know, we had 
basically two days to prep for the for the entire second half of it and it was it turned out fine like i'm i'm really happy i in fact i think the the back half of the season is better than the first half of the season but it was um it was definitely overwhelming in a way that i think everybody realized like ooh this is if this gets a second season something would need we just like to to prevent the scrambling that happened we would want to try to fix this and i think bringing on a second director to do the second half did that it was they were able to prep much much cleaner um and easier when you know we're just involved in one half of it and then another director is is spearheading the second half of it so we were happy to to give that to to them yeah now that you're done with that show you've just finished this this horror short uh, what does your day to day look like as uh, you know, you know, directors and writers? Well, for the past couple of years, there's been a few s- feature scripts in the pipeline. One of which we are attached to, but we're still in the process of casting and finding funding for. And so there's always that. That's kind of slow. It's in that. I don't know what you would call the stage, but it's. I think it's a, every movie kind of goes through it where it's like it feels like you could make it any day now, but it lasts for like two years where it feels that way. And so we're kind of in that stage on one script. And then there's um, another script that where we feel like we're very cool. We've been sort of part of the process for for about a year now, but we're not officially attached to it, but we're kind of working towards it. These are both scripts that we didn't write that came to us. So those are kind of always on the horizon. They're sort of the irons in the fire. Um, We have scripts that we're writing as well that we hope to get into production soon on. Um, And then amongst all that, we're just constantly filling our creative time with doing short form videos like The Hug um and the road and it seems like more is going to come from those which is great we're happy to it's it's always fun to explore new genres i think we're going to continue to get work in horror um so that's cool we're excited about that um we're working on a on a promo right now nice uh just little things to sort of fill our time and pockets while we keep trucking on like the the bigger feature world yeah and a note on uh, agents and and managers um basically no very few people send us a script or um anything directly like hey this is for jack and justin we we would really love uh to consider them for the project like they they just age they have access to all these scripts and they have a whole bunch of other clients that they represent so um jack and i are kind of in a unique position with our a team that we specifically chose people who excel at comedy but don't really have a strong background in horror and considering that horror was something we were really interested in and they expressed a desire to uh, learn more about that world and 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 make more connections there anytime they get a horror script or a horror comedy we're the first people that they think of and these are people who have 20 or 30 other clients each who are all far more successful than us who are deserving of, you know, the agents and the managers have to decide who is this a good fit for? Like who can realistically, who can I sell to attach to this project? And considering that we don't have 
a very high IMDb star meter yet. Um, we have to rely <laughs> on our unique taste and what we specifically offer that other clients don't so that when they do get something like Stand Against Evil, they think of us first. So that that was like a uh, something that uh, hit me later that I reflected on and was like, oh, this is this feels like a, a good position we've kind of accidentally put ourselves in. That's awesome. Nice. I um I had it looks like we'd need to wind down pretty soon because I know you guys got to go. But I did have a question that I ask a lot of people, a lot of creative types, um, which is about comparing ourselves to other people. So, you know, I think most creative people struggle with that comparisonitis is what it's called. Like we're not doing enough. This other person's doing better. You know, we start thinking like that. Um, does this happen for either of you? And how do you deal with it? doesn't happen to me much to be honest um i i think if i am comparing myself it is to uh, my favorite filmmakers and the movie the movies that come out now like uh, good times with uh, robert pa- robert panson i look at a movie like that and i say man that's that's a movie that we could have made that's a jack and justin movie and it's so inspiring and well shot and well made and it just it creates a fire not a competition or not a not any negative feelings but I want our movie to be up on the screen I want to I want other people to see our work so it's not that we're not doing enough it's it's inspirational and I think it's good to see what's out there, but I'm not going through Instagram and social media (laughs) and looking at my peers or other directors. Like I view them as friends. Like I want to have more friends who are directors uh, because I want to share stories. And I think that it's very hard as a director to learn in the same way that other people in the industry learn. Because if you're a sound mixer or a a wardrobe stylist, you are working all the time you're always on set people are hiring you left and right if you're a director it could be a year before your next project so you don't have a lot of opportunities to learn so i view someone like you or jordan like people who are also directing as like a valuable resource not only to bond over something that we're all passionate about but also uh share your set horror stories and like let's learn from what you experienced and you can learn from what we experienced yeah yeah i mean i can't i can't uh i i think there has been times where i have compared and like you see something that a peer has done or even like justin said like when i saw good time i loved it but i was jealous of it and i was um it did give a feeling of just like dang it am am i good enough am i as good as this you know Uh, but i do think that that very quickly turns into just a striving to to better yourself and to you know you you have to take it as like um inspiration and enthusiasm and um know that it isn't a competition like it's it's uh you should if you if something makes you feel that way like get to try to get to know those people and um mm-hmm. uh, yeah. befriend those people and uh learn from those people yeah competition uh, is a is a tricky word and I, I i think we use it a lot in this society in a way that has the perception of being positive, like, you know, the healthy competition, they say, but I think in a lot of ways, it can also be pretty 
unhealthy. So it just depends on um, what you mean by competition. But I, I think anything that drives you to be the best version of yourself and to learn more and grow, that's great. But if you're if you are using uh, that sort of competitive feeling to bring someone else down or, or to compare yourself or feel shitty about yourself, I, right. I don't think that that's right. That's right. But um, I, yeah. I think it's the way you process it. Like you guys said, if you turn it into inspiration, you know, I think that's really the, the healthiest way to look at it, you know, and 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 to look at, like we're all peers, right? Like we're not all enemies as directors. We're all just, you know, doing our own thing and trying to grow and learn. And I think, like you said, just talking to each other and getting to know each other and learning from each other like that's like the best way to go you know yeah, yeah i share um, I, I share a similar feeling of uh like with jack a little tinge of jealousy i think part of it too is that they're for good time it's uh they're also a directing duo so th- there are there is a, a fun feeling of like oh okay another duo a little a little competition but uh ultimately i'm more fascinated by duos and their dynamics just being in a relationship a creative relationship with jack um and knowing what goes into that, the the energy, the compromise, learning to read another person and to work with them and, and express your idea but hear what they're saying, uh, it's, a, it's an art and everybody does it differently. So anytime we do have an opportunity to, to meet a duo or creative partners, we're, we're kind of fascinated and try to pick their brain and be like, how do you write together? How do you, you know, mm. how do you handle fights? Like, do you, do you love each other? Are you best friends? Like, <laughs> yeah. Process yeah. is always very interesting uh, to talk about with other filmmakers uh, because it's, you just never, you're always kind of looking for ways to finite your process and make it better. And I think that's, that is the ultimate tool of, having a social circle of fellow filmmakers is is that you constantly have a resource to say like have you ever had this problem do you like how do you deal with this kind of a thing um and yeah just like the same way that you interact with any friend uh about any problem that you have or any sort of um questions life questions you know you go to your friend group and you talk about it and you work it out and i think that filmmakers should be able to do that um and use each other as resources to to just share insight and to trust that you are like a good filmmaker uh brings their own thing to it and so uh comparing or trying to do what other people are doing is sort of useless because a you know your only great thing is going to come from what you specifically bring to something and kind of always reminding yourself that uh that you have a very unique outlook on something and to just tap into that and whatever you do is going to work that way you know yeah that's that's how i've was all i mean if maybe like i think i mean it took a long time for me to like find what i consider my voice so probably like six about six years ago i finally was a i was like I think that really did it for me. It was kind of like, oh, this is what I do and this is who I am. And like, there actually is no competition because only I can tell this story or only Jack or Justin can tell this story right. or Ulrich, right. you know, and, and then yeah. that really, I guess, changed the way I view, you know, it, it changed something for me for sure. And right. I don't ever feel, I always love it. Like when friends get success, I've never feel 
jealousy. I can honestly say, like, I, I'm always, maybe there's, like, something in there that's, like, oh, you should, you know, aim for that, too. Mm-hmm. But it's inspirational. Right. And, like, I love seeing friends do well. Oh, yeah. it's, like my, it's, like, the best news for me. I, I really, really like it. So Especially someone who's similar to you. Right. Like like let's say like co-directors, for example, like you see another co-directing duo make a movie at the same level that you're trying to make with a similar background as you. That's just like, you know, and, and as long as that movie's successful and it does well, that's just like proof to the world that you're going to be successful if they go with you. Right. You know? So it's just going to help all of us if like more independent filmmakers do well and you know get the next star wars movie or whatever you know like there's more um ryan johnson's in the world who like came from you know the independent background and worked Mm -hmm. their way up you know that's just great for us so i totally see it the same way and and like a long long time ago a friend of mine a fellow director was like oh gosh like well if you get your movie made then that's just one less movie or chance for me to make my movie you know, and I totally think that's like the exact backwards opposite way right. of what the actual reality is. Like, it's more, if more young independent filmmakers are making their movie, it's just more opportunity for young independent filmmakers to make their movies, you yeah. know? So, yeah, I, I think that's the best way to look at it. I'm so glad. It's so inspirational to me just to hear you, us all talk about it this way because that's exactly <laughs> how I feel about it, you know? Yeah, and even on that too, we, we, we're always like, I think the biggest hurdle that Justin and I have are, is, our sort of struggle with wanting to be the the writers of our own material, but not having the um, not having the, the the we just haven't written enough to be able to like have the process of like we can sit down and just pump out a, a script. Uh, that's something that we're always trying to work on. Like we feel very confident that we can direct anything, but when it comes to writing a script. Uh, that's always a little bit more of a struggle. And I know that all writers struggle with that. But, um, you know, so we come up with ideas all the time and we say, oh, this would be a great movie. And then it takes us forever or we just don't end up writing it. And then something will come out that is somewhat similar to the idea that we had. And um, the initial instinct is to be like, dang, somebody beat us to it. But we've kind of learned to say, to look at the positive of it and be like, well, you know what, that just proves that like we are in line with the zeitgeist in a way that like yeah. we we uh, we should just keep creating and keep thinking and being inspired because we're on the right track. We look at it as like, uh, not as like, oh, dang, somebody stole the idea, but it's just like, cool, we had this, we had a similar idea that makes us feel good that we're like kind of right. in the same mindset as somebody who did something great. Uh, so let's just keep trucking at it because we know we're in the right place. So, you know, if we, I think it's a, if you never, if that never happens, it might be because you're, you're actually, you're not creating ideas that anybody <laughs> right. wants to see. Uh, right. So it's like, it's inspiring a little bit to, to like see that happen. And it's happened a handful of times with us that, that keeps us driving to like, all right, well, maybe next time we have one, let's like really try to force ourselves to write it so that we can, we have something, you know? Yeah. And and your version of the movie, you know, whatever it was, would be would be very different than the one that got made. Anyways, Absolutely, you yeah. know, because it's all execution based. So I feel like that should never be a reason to stop doing something. You know, just, For just sure. keep on going, and who knows what it's going to turn into. 
Um, so I know you guys have to go, so we should wrap it up. But um, thanks so much for being on the show, guys. This has been fantastic. I can't wait to share this with our listeners. They're going to love it. Thanks for having us. Um, but yeah, any last words before we wrap it up? Or Oh, yeah, where can people find your work? I think that's the most important thing. Like, Where can people check you out? Are you guys on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook? Do you have a website? We have a website. It's uh, jackandjustin.com. Uh, that's probably the best way to see our stuff. We put all of our newest videos on there. Our reel is up there and uh, a way to get in touch with us if you, if you want to shout out. For sure. Um, but yeah, I think uh, just keep my advice to uh, other filmmakers would be to always, always keep making something. Um, don't just wait for someone else to, to hire you. If you can, find a partner. I got very lucky with Jack, but it's, you know, it's a little... Like love, you can't force it, you can't make it happen, but, but don't be afraid to uh, share your, your creativity with somebody else. And um, yeah, get, get prepared to deal with a lot of rejection. <laughs> yeah. And just, yeah, just be a part of a social circle. You don't even, you know, you don't necessarily have to have a partner like we have a partnership, but just get involved in a group of <laughs> right. like-minded creatives and um, utilize, utilize them. Um, I think that's the best thing you can do. All right. Well, I'm going to take us out of the show here. So thanks, everyone, to listen, for listening to the show. And thanks again for Jack and Justin uh, for being on. Uh, you can check out our website at makingmoviesishard.com where you can find links to the things we talked about on this episode. If you want to get in contact with us, you can send an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Podcast. And if you like the show, please tell a friend. Help us get the word out. And you can also leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And thank you, Andrew, for another wonderful episode. And thanks again, Jack and Justin. This has been great, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you. This was fun.